It's good to have you in the house of God today. We're going to look at a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. But Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because Zacchaeus was too short. Now, that's a tough thing. Thank you, preacher. He sat on the front row. This might be like divine uh, providence if we need object lesson or something. Whew. That's a tough thing. This is the most important day, the most important moment of Zacchaeus' life. And Zacchaeus came up short. How many of us recognize it's never fun to come up short? You ever had that little light ding on on the gas tank and you're pretty sure you got enough to get where you're going? It's not a lot of fun to come up short. It's never happened to me. Uh, I've seen it happen to others. The more kids that I have, the more I'm concerned that it will happen to me. That you get home from maybe church or the store or school and you, you turn around and you realize maybe you've come up short. <laughs> the higher that number gets for me, the more of a reality it might become. You ever come up short in competition? I can remember, oh, I think it was my senior year of high school. My school sent me to the spelling bee. Why, I, I will never know. But I went to the spelling bee that year, and I remember, I think it was a combination of weather and illness. The vast majority of the participants from other schools didn't show up. There were three of us that showed up that day. I was excited to go home and tell my mama I got third place in the state spelling bee. But my daddy reminds me, I came up, I got third place, but uh, third out of three. It's uh, never fun to come up short, amen? I love what one preacher had to say about this, though, that what we're going to see today is that with Jesus, no one has to come up short. We're going to see that what Zacchaeus couldn't do for himself, that Jesus stepped in and did for him. We're going to see that God so loves the world. John 3, 16. God so loves the world, the Bible says, that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, it's not an American thing. It's not a European thing. It's not an African thing or an Asian thing. It's not a white thing or a black thing or a Hispanic thing. It is a God so loved the world thing. It's not a rich thing or a poor thing. It's not a Baptist thing or a community. It is a God so loved the world thing. That God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, the Bible says, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to see today that God is still showing up. That God is still reaching out. That God is still calling. That God is still loving. And that though we all fall short, no one has to stay that way. I want us to see this morning from Luke chapter 19. On this, what we're calling Friend Sunday, I want us to see what a friend we have in Jesus. Luke 19, let's begin unpacking in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. 
And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, Jesus, was to pass that way. Can I point out first, and it may seem like low-hanging fruit, but we'll, we'll go here for a moment. Can I point out first this morning that Zacchaeus, he was a short man. He was a short man. In fact, when the Bible says in verse number two that he was little of stature, the two words that it uses is that he was micro stature. Micro is, is the Greek word that's being used there. In other words, Zacchaeus only knew what it was like to be in the front row of group pictures. It means Zacchaeus, like if you were to ask me how tall I am, I would say I'm six foot three. I'm six foot four. Zacchaeus would have said, I am five foot 3.79846 inches. <laughs> now, Zacchaeus thought he had an issue of height. It was just a characteristic problem he had. But I'm going to tell you, what we find is Zacchaeus' issue wasn't one of height. What Zacchaeus really had was an issue of heart. The Bible here says that he was chief among the publicans. Now, that might not mean a whole lot to us. We may not know what that means. But to be a publican was to be a tax collector for the nation of Rome. And the publicans, by, by their nature and by their trade, were known to be ruthlessly dishonest. You see, Rome didn't really care what they did so long as Rome got their money. So if you owed... in taxes, Zacchaeus would say, give me 25. He would send 10 to Rome and keep 15 for himself. So this was a Jewish man who worked for the Roman government. And not only was he a publican, the Bible says that he was chief among the publicans. Now you would think possibly a man of his stature would be more down to earth than that. But he had worked his way to an extraordinary position of power. He was considered by his countrymen a traitor. He had no friends. So much so that the publicans weren't even welcome in the inner court of the temple. They weren't even really allowed inside the church building. That is how much he was hated for the evil that he had done. To give you kind of a modern day illustration, the chief publican would kind of be like the head of the mob. He was basically the local mob boss. And when you stop and you put that in context, you think about the level of evil and hardness of heart that's required. And again, maybe it wasn't hard for a man of his stature to stoop so low. That's my last bad pun, I promise. I promise. But the Bible says that he had gotten very rich from his activity of defrauding his countrymen. You see, Zacchaeus' problem wasn't just that he was a short man, but that he was a man who had fallen short and he knew it. You know, his name, Zacchaeus, it means righteous one. And you have to think, every time his name was used, he was reminded that he didn't measure up. 
No matter how high he climbed the ladder in life, no matter how much success and power he may attain, no matter how greatly he accumulated wealth, he was very rich. No matter how much he compensated, Zacchaeus knew he fell short. You know, the truth is that we have all fallen short. We may not all be short men, but we are all men who have fallen short. The Bible says in Romans 3 and verse number 23 that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all born sinful and unclean. David said this in Psalm 51 in verse number 5. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This isn't a statement that, that David was, was somehow conceived in a sinful relationship. No, this is the statement that David said, From the moment that I came into existence, I've fallen short. You know, you look at young people. We don't have to teach kids to do wrong, do we? We have to teach them to do right. We don't have to teach kids in the nursery to bite or hit or take toys. We don't have to teach them how to lie to try to get out of trouble. Why? Because we are all born sinful and unclean. And every one of us, if we're honest, we have all seen the effects of sin stain and even shatter our lives. So what do we do about it? You know, society tries to overcompensate with, when I was growing up, it was the idea of self-esteem. We all just needed to have good self-esteem. Today, society tries to overcompensate with the idea of self-love. We just all have to have self-love. But you know what society is finding? And I think all of us can attest that this is true. That no matter how much self-esteem or self-love we try to muster, it's pretty empty. When the lights are turned out and we're left with our own thoughts and we're left with who we know ourselves to really be, not who we portray ourselves to be, we know it's empty because we know we are all men and women who have fallen short. We know we don't measure up. So society tries to overcompensate. Religion tries to overcompensate. You think of the rigor and the ritual that that religion proposes. And we have to go and we have to do and we have to be and we have to. And they have their checklists and all the things that they. But you know what you find? You find at the end of the day, religion with all its rigor and with all its ritual, it's empty. We know we don't measure up. And to look at our society today. Our society today, especially in America, we have gained it all. And yet, we are as empty as ever. Jesus said this in Matthew 16 and verse number 26. He said, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you know what we find? We find here for Zacchaeus that this emptiness led to an eagerness. You see, Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to town. And Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus for the press. And so Zacchaeus got those little legs a-churning. And Zacchaeus ran on ahead. And Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Now you think about it. We, we've, we probably, many of us have heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the... And so we don't think much of it. But this is a mob boss. Mob bosses don't run. 
My bosses don't climb trees. This one did. Because the emptiness inside of him led to an eagerness because Zacchaeus knew that there had to be something more. You see, he'd heard of Jesus. He'd heard how this man Jesus had fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fishes. Maybe he had heard of this man Jesus and how he had made the lame to walk. Maybe he had heard of this man Jesus and how he had touched the leper and made him clean. Maybe he had heard of Jesus and... There was another publican named Matthew who was now one of his disciples. Maybe he had heard of Jesus and, and how he had reached out and ministered to the woman taken in adultery. Maybe he had heard of this Jesus and how he, how he must go through Samaria because there was somebody there, one with broken marriages and one with a broken life who needed to be restored. Maybe he had heard of this Jesus and the demon-possessed man that, that Jesus had set free. And maybe, just maybe, Zacchaeus on that day said, Jesus is coming into town and if Jesus could help them maybe he could help me oh the emptiness led to an eagerness Zacchaeus was a short man but I want you to see what happens in this story look back in verse number four the Bible says and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him with joy. Can I show you this morning that uh, not only was Zacchaeus a short man, but Zacchaeus was a seen man. Zacchaeus was a seen man. You see, Zacchaeus was having a hard time finding Jesus. He couldn't see over the crowd. He, he was trying to, to, to catch a glimpse of Jesus. But Zacchaeus was having a, having a hard time seeing Jesus. So he ran ahead. He climbed the tree. Zacchaeus had a hard time finding Jesus. But here's the truth. Jesus... Knew right where Zacchaeus was. Proverbs 15 in verse number 3. The Bible says. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. Hebrews 4 in verse number 13. The Bible says. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto him. Unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Zacchaeus might have had a hard time finding Jesus, but Jesus knew right where Zacchaeus was. Can I remind us this morning that nothing and no one is hidden or lost to Jesus. Nothing and no one is hidden or lost to Jesus. Jesus was not only aware of Zacchaeus, but Jesus intentionally approached Zacchaeus. He marched right up to where Zacchaeus was, stopped and called him by name. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time remembering names sometimes. I have a hard time remembering important names. I have taken a page from time to time out of our wonderful youth pastor Dan Utley's book. If you know Dan Utley, you know that you are his buddy. Because he calls everybody buddy. Sometimes I'll be in the room, his wife will be in the room, Charles will be in the room, and he'll go, hey, buddy. And none of us will know who he's talking to because we're all just buddy. 
So if you tell me your name today or you've told me your name previously, I promise I will do my very best to remember it. But sometimes I have a hard time remembering names. You know, and I think Jesus, Jesus could have had an excuse not to stop that day. You know, as you continue to read the book of Luke, do you know where Jesus was going? He was heading through Jericho to Jerusalem. Why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? Because he was going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. Jesus had some pretty big things in front of him. I think we would have forgiven Jesus if he would have said, you know, the cross is pretty important. I just got to keep, I got to keep focused on what's in front of me. But that's not what Jesus did. You know, Jesus had a lot going on. Jesus had a lot of people wanting his attention. You ever had that where you want to talk to so many different people, but you can't quite get to them all? Jesus, remember, the crowds are pressing in on Jesus. Jesus had more people in that moment than, than, than you or I could have ever talked to. Jesus would have been forgiven and excused for, for not having time for Zacchaeus that day. There were a lot of people wanting his attention. By the way, Jesus had been ministering now for three and a half years. Jesus could have used a break. Jericho, the new city, was basically a vacation spot. Jesus would have been justified, I think. We would have all excused him and forgiven him if he had said, you know what, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. Before I go to the cross, I just want a moment or two to myself. So I'm going to go visit the local Jericho resort. I'm going to unplug for a day or two. Gentlemen, take care of the people. I'll be back shortly. I think we'd have forgiven and excused Jesus if he'd have done that. It would have been real reasonable of him. But Jesus didn't do any of those things. Because... No matter how busy Jesus was, no matter how many people wanted Jesus' attention, no matter how bad Jesus could have used a break, here's the thing, Jesus had time for Zacchaeus. Because no one is hidden or lost to our God. No one is too small or out of the way for our God. Let me give you another thought. We mentioned it earlier. Jesus called him by his name. Did you catch it? Verse number five. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Now this, this is the first time Jesus has ever laid eyes on Zacchaeus. And yet Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. I'll mention here, Jesus could have called a lot of things. Jesus could have called Zacchaeus a lot of things. And by the way, we're going to see in a minute, there are a lot of things that the crowd wanted Jesus to call him. There are a lot of things maybe Zacchaeus deserved to be called. But when Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't give him the label he deserved. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, chief among the publicans, come down. He didn't say, you wicked sinner, come down. He didn't say, you traitor to the nation of Israel, come down. He didn't say, you awful, 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 wicked little man, come down. He didn't do any of that. Jesus didn't give him the label that he deserved. Rather, Jesus gave him the love that he did not deserve. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For, I, for today I must abide at thy house. 
You see, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to know that he had been seen. That no one is lost to our God. That no one is too small for our God. That no one is too far, for, too far gone, too sinful for our God. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9, it says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. Notice this, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, because no one is, too, no one is lost, no one is too small, no one is too sinful for our God. He was a seen man. To know this morning... Whether you're here in the sanctuary, whether you're listening by radio, watching by Facebook, know this morning that God knows who you are. That God knows where you are. And that God knows what you need. Zacchaeus was a short man, but Zacchaeus was a seen man. Let me give you one more thought this morning. Jump back to verse number 5. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured. They all murmured saying, "Hmm." And he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a, he's a sinner. Jesus is going to eat with the sinner. Hey, hey, hey. Do you see who Jesus is going to eat with today? He's going to go eat with that sinner. I mean, like, he could have picked any of us. And he picked him. Doesn't Jesus know? Hey, did you see what Jesus did? Doesn't Jesus know who that is? He's a sinner. He's a sinner. And they all murmured. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, Jesus had not just seen Zacchaeus, Jesus had sought Zacchaeus. Because what Zacchaeus needed to learn was that he was both fully known and fully loved. Now, this didn't go over well with the religious groupies, did it? They expected Jesus to whoop up on this wicked sinner, to give him his just desserts. After all, this man had been taking advantage of them probably for decades. This man was the reason that they were poor. This man was the reason that they struggled. This man was one of the reasons that they lived in fear. And so when Jesus addressed this man, you can almost see the religious groupies licking their chops, man. Ah, he's going to get what he deserves now. And then Jesus invites himself over to dinner. They could not believe that Jesus was going to go and eat with a sinner. By the way, all of them were sinners. 
May we never forget that it is far too easy to be observant about other people's issues and be obtuse about our own. But I love the fact that Jesus didn't hesitate for the crowd. By the way, there are going to be knuckleheads and hypocrites everywhere. But I'm going to tell you, no one is worth missing God's love for. You know what? Zacchaeus could have, Zacchaeus could have heard the murmurs of the crowd and, and pulled back. Uh, Jesus could have heard the murmurs of the crowd and pulled back. But they didn't. Why? Because there are going to be knuckleheads and hypocrites everywhere. But no one is worth missing God's love for. Zacchaeus was fully known. He was a man who had fallen short. And yet Zacchaeus was fully loved. And Jesus invites Zacchaeus to a relationship with himself. Notice about this relationship in verse number 5 that it is a personal invitation. Zacchaeus is invited. Jesus addresses him by name. It is a powerful invitation. Jesus said that I must abide at thy house. It is a present invitation. Jesus says, today I must abide. There are no prerequisites. Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus to go home and clean his house. Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus to go home and make things right. Jesus loved him and wanted a relationship with him right where he was. You remember the verse we started with, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That world, that, that's plural. And the idea that it encompasses collective. It is everyone. But here's the invitation. That whosoever, that's singular. That's me. That's you. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Zacchaeus was a man who had fallen short, and yet he was a seen man, and he was a salt man. And church, you and I are no different. We are both fully known. We have fallen short, and yet fully loved. I'm so glad that we have a God who, 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 who is a potter, described as a potter who doesn't throw the clay away. I'm so glad that we have a God who specializes in taking what is broken and making it beautiful again. Who specializes in taking what has, been, what has been wasted and making it beautiful. This is the theme of the gospel. This is the theme of, of, of this whole passage. You look at verse number 10. The Bible says, For the Son of Man, read it in unison together with me. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's read it one more time in unison. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Leave that verse up there if you would, Liz. Notice the simplicity of that. Notice all of those words are simple, even one syllable word. Because God wants all of us to understand that He loves us and wants a relationship with us. That He specializes in taking what is broken and making it beautiful. I've shared this story before with our church, but 
It's meaningful. And so I'll share it again today. I, I remember I, one of my children, one of my children who really has, I, I think, a, a gifting of mercy, uh, wants to help people. Wants to help people. And a number of years ago, there was, there was an issue and uh, there were some things that had happened and, and one of my children wanted to communicate uh, their, their love and their care and their, their, their thoughts towards an individual in our, in our congregation who was hurting a great deal at the time. And I remember my, my young child, they drew a picture. And that's how they wanted to show their, their, their love and their, thought, their thoughts for them and their prayers for them. And so they drew a picture. And I can remember this child drawing this picture. And, uh, and I can remember them bringing me the picture. And I remember looking at it. And I don't remember exactly what it was. I, maybe, maybe a house, maybe a family, maybe people, maybe a church. Who knows? I, I really I don't remember what it was. You know what I do remember about it? That as I looked at the picture, all over the picture were just a bunch of random hearts. I mean, they were in the sky, and they were on the ground, and they were on the people. They were all over the place. They were big. They were small. They were colorful. Hearts, hearts everywhere. And I remember looking at that picture and being a little bit confused. And I said, I said baby, what's the deal with the hearts? What's the deal with the hearts? And she told me, she goes, the hearts, those are all the places that I messed up. But I didn't want to throw it away. And so I covered all the mess ups in hearts. And I thought to myself, boy, isn't that what God wants to do for us? You know, my life is, my life is full of mess ups. But God doesn't want to throw me away. God wants to take me and so cover me with his love. You know, I don't even remember what the rest of that picture was about. Because I couldn't get past the love that I saw. And isn't that what God wants to do with us? You know what? God wants to so cover our lives with his love. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, not that which is rich and not that which is beautiful and not that which is highly educated and not that which is morally good and not that which is well thought of. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. That which is lost. Oh, God is still seeking to save, to make whole, to make right with Him those who realize their need and respond to His call. You know, Zacchaeus, he was a man who had fallen short. But praise God, he was a seen man. And he learned that he was a sought man. By the end of the story, hallelujah, he was a saved man. Zacchaeus was a saved man. Why? Because he received and responded to the word of the Lord. The Bible says that he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He was a saved man because he received Jesus as his Savior. How do you know that, preacher? Well, verse number 8, he addresses him as Lord. And this is salvation. When Zacchaeus receives Jesus as his Savior, that church is salvation. Now, yes, we also see Zacchaeus changed. Verse number 8, he said he's going to give half his goods to the poor, restore the things that he has stolen. But here's the thing, change doesn't make you saved. Mm -mm. 
Not of works. The Bible says, lest any man should boast. Change doesn't make you saved. No, salvation makes you change. Because you see, when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says we become a new creature. That old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says when we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior, that we are born again into the family of God. And I become a child of the King. The Bible says when I receive the Lord Jesus as my Savior, that His precious Holy Spirit comes to live within me. I am covered by His love. I am indwelt by His Spirit. And I wonder who this morning... Maybe like Zacchaeus, you know. I'm a man, I'm a woman who has fallen short. But maybe this morning you hear him calling your name. You've not climbed a sycamore tree. But you've come to church. For the Lord you wanted to see. And I wonder this morning who the Lord is speaking to. It's not about religion. Religion doesn't save you. It's not about being Baptist. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you bank on being Baptist, here's the thing about the Baptist name tag. It's either going to fall off when you get to heaven or burn off when you get to hell. But ain't going to do a lick of good to get you one place or the other. It's not about religion. It's not about religion. It's not about projecting the right image. It is about the gospel. That means good news. You know what? I have sinned and fallen short of God. And the Bible says that my sin has separated me from God. There is nothing I can do to make myself right with God. But the Bible says that since I couldn't get to Him, He came to me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The good news is that though I am separated from God by my sin... Since I couldn't get to him, he came to me. The good news is that even though the wage, the penalty, the consequence of my sin is death, that he died on the cross for me, that I might have his life. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus rose again that third day, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder who today, you know you've fallen short, but you see today that you are seen of God and you are sought of God. And I wonder today, would you receive the Savior? Would you turn to Jesus, receive Jesus, call upon the name of the Lord? You could pray even now, I, I know that I am a sinner. That I believe that Christ died for my sins and that I today place my faith in Him to save me, to forgive me and to make me a child of God. There are probably many here today who, listening to these truths about who Jesus is and how much Jesus loves you, you have more questions in your heart than you have answers now. If He's calling, if He's speaking, if He's stirring something within you, I want to encourage you, plead with you, respond to Him today. In just a few moments, we're going to have what's called a time of invitation. We're going to ask the congregation to stand with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And if you want somebody to pray with you or to talk with you about what it means to trust Jesus as your Savior, like Zacchaeus did, I would invite you. 
Get my attention. I'll come down. I'll be at the front. Get my attention. Get someone's attention. And we'll have them take God's word and show you how you can know for sure by God's word that you are a child of God. If he is calling, don't delay. Might I offer a word of admonition to the church this morning? You know, there are many Christians far from God. Many Christians who feel discouraged. Many Christians who feel dismayed. Many Christians who still hear the devil whisper in their ear all the time, you are not enough. You are a man or a woman who has fallen short. And here's the thing. Jesus sees you too. And Jesus seeks you too. Can I tell you a good rule of thumb this morning? No matter how long you've been coming to church, no matter how long you've been saved, when God knocks... Open the door. Some of us this morning, God is knocking and we can hear if we would just listen. God is knocking. We can hear him calling our name. Some of us, we have lost sight of Jesus for the press that is all around us. But if we'll just stop this morning and listen, we'll hear him call our name. And church, if we respond, do you know what we're going to find? We're going to find what a friend we have in Jesus. Standing together this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed. This is the invitation for you to respond to God's word, to respond to the spirit of God stirring within you. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your savior, would you come? Would you get my attention? Oh, there's nothing like knowing you're a child of God. There's nothing like knowing that you're saved. This morning, if you're a believer and you hear him knocking, would you open?